Hello everybody and welcome once again to The Wrestling Arena. I'm your host Paul and on today's episode we will be talking about possible jail time for a former WWE superstar, recent goings on on WWE and AEW programming and the imminent return of CM Punk. Also you hear my opinions on AEW All Access and other wrestling reality TV shows. So our first piece of news comes as former WWE wrestler Ted DiBiase Jr. has been charged with misappropriating government funds intended for low-income individuals and needy families in the state of Mississippi. Department of Justice issued a press release on Thursday announcing that DiBiase has been charged with six counts of wire fraud, one count of conspiracy to commit wire fraud, and to commit theft concerning programs receiving federal funds. So this is a federal crime. Four counts of money laundering and two counts of theft concerning programs receiving federal funds. If convicted, DiBiase faces a maximum of 20 years in prison for each wire fraud charge, 10 years for each money laundering charge and five years for each conspiracy charge. Now, I don't know about you, but stealing money from those that are desperately in need of it, low-income families, individuals, is something I'm, I'm just very much against. It's disgusting behaviour, and we're talking millions of dollars here, people. It's just not something you do. I, I hope this guy gets what's coming to him. You know, I, I was actually quite a big fan of his back in the day. I thought he was going to go somewhere, and it looks like he is going to go somewhere, and that somewhere may well be prison. Now that I've hit you with that very serious piece of news, I'm going to move on to the next stage of the CM Punk AEW saga. As things stand right now, the return of CM Punk is scheduled for a June 17th show at the United Center in Chicago, which, being a Saturday night show, is likely the debut of the new weekly show. The rumour of the new show's name is AEW Collision, based on a trademark the company took out some time back when the talks with Warner Brothers Discovery for the new Saturday show got serious. At press time, everything was not finalised, but the building is booked and it will likely be announced very shortly when the Punk and TV deal are finalised. Obviously, with the building deal in place, the TV deal has to either be done or they must be almost certain of it. The decision on Punk returning was made many weeks back, although there was a snag two weeks back that has evidently been worked out. Obviously, being at the United Centre, the show will be heavily promoted and have a theme name, which has evidently been decided upon. Meltzer notes that Punk was an extremely important factor in the AEW's deal for a new Saturday show. We do know that he was extremely important in this deal, but whether the deal was incumbent on him, we've heard both ways, Meltzer writes. One person outside the company has seen correspondence indicating that Warner Brothers Discovery definitely wants him back, and other things that have happened in recent weeks, very much behind the scenes, have indicated to us that Punk being brought back is, if nothing else, very significant in everything Punk made his AEW debut in the United Center in August 2021. He debuted on an episode of Rampage named The First Dance. Now, rumors are also abound that this new show would necessitate a roster split with Punk being on one side and the Elite, as in the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega, on the other side. There have been various reports from various sources about how hard or soft this roster split will be. But I would not expect, for now, the two sides to coexist, to 
steal a WWE can they coexist storyline. Personally, I see this as a big, big mistake. You are inviting into your locker room uh, a powder keg, something that can seriously go wrong. And I think it took AEW quite a long time to recover from the all-out situation with the fight. If they can't work together, if they have to be separated by a roster split, then something needs to be done. You, as I've, as I said previously, when I've talked about AEW, I think they need to. Well, Tony himself needs to come down and say, "No, this is your job. You work professionally." And yeah, I get it. Punk wasn't professional with his comments, and you might be able to argue that Hangman Page wasn't professional with his comments. But if you cannot at this point come together and realize that, hey. This is a lot of money that we can make here. Then I think that's really problematic. I'm beginning to see that there are really two styles of wrestling in AEW. You've got people who want to wrestle the old school style. And I'd I'd count people like MJF, CM Punk, FTR in that style. And then you've got people like the Young Bucks, Kenny Omega, uh, the Best Friends who want to wrestle the kind of PWG style, which is much more fast-paced, it's much more over-the-top. You know, everyone wrestles a main event style, so everyone kicks out finishers and all that kind of thing. And that, they're both, you know, cool styles and they're eligible styles. I just don't feel that the PWG style works for television, really. Because, at least to my mind, it makes everyone sort of similar. Like... Oh, there's been a Canadian destroyer that won't pin anyone. I know the Canadian destroyer has been kind of bastardized in recent years, but any big move, the first two are going to get kicked out of because they are desperate to to have that kind of WrestleMania main event feel to all their matches. And I don't feel that works. It can work on an indie show where you're only seeing one show a month and you go there live and it's really cool and you get caught up and you cheer. But on TV, when you see it every week, I think it cheapens everything you do because nothing feels that massively special. You get cool moments and you get cool matches, but you don't get the kind of, oh my God, I'm going to remember this for the rest of my life moments with this style. In my opinion, if you disagree, I'd love to hear from you on on the Facebook at The Wrestling Arena or on Twitter at PM Barrow. That's B-E-R-R-O-W. I'm not delegating any any kind of people that do like the style. I think it's incredibly entertaining to watch. It's athletic. I just think storyline-wise and like the longevity of the company, sooner or later people are going to get sick of seeing, oh, you know, every match that is a certain level goes 30 minutes and people kick out of every finish. I think it cheapens things in a way they don't need to be cheapened. Maybe I'm just an old fart. You know, I'm, I'm kind of giving off these old man yells at cloud feelings so who knows i could be wrong but right now i feel that the old school style of someone like mjf cm punk ftr i think that's the better style for weekly tv i mean how would a roster split even work what would you do who would you put where what kind of feuds would you dictate you know i like i like quite a lot of acts but would you only have the one style on one side and the other style on the other I mean, Wednesday nights have been pretty much established as AEW nights. And I think starting on Saturday, especially with the young audience they have, I don't feel that show's going to do particularly well. There's rumours it 
could be two hours as well, which hopefully that's good news. I mean, I think Rampage has kind of been abandoned because it starts at 10 p.m. and people are just like, well, you're going to get what you're going to get. But it is problematic to think that now people have got to start on a new show. They've got to be a roster split. What are they going to do with pay-per-views? Hopefully they're not going to introduce more pay-per-views or split the pay-per-views like Raw and SmackDown used to do. But I guess we'll find out when Collision, if that's its real name, debuts, possibly, on the 17th of June. Now that we've talked about the seemingly intimate return of CM Punk to AEW, I felt it was time for me to give my feelings on current WWE and AEW product and where I think they're going and what problems they think they have and where they're doing well. First of all, I want to talk WWE. And to my immense relief, it does seem like Vince is taking somewhat of a back seat. There have been reports of a text message going out to every WWE superstar saying that Vince is not in creative control, as there were backstage rumblings of kind of a revolt. Now, we all know these stories are probably like blown out of proportion or... You know, they weren't even real in the first place. It's just one of those things. They don't come from, like, reputable sources that I consider, like Fightful or the Wrestling Observer. But they are interesting to to hear that, you know, people are more relaxed now that Vince isn't backstage at Raw every week. And it's good to hear, as I do remember being very, very pessimistic on the night of the Raw after WrestleMania. That, however, me, is kind of where the good news almost ends. There is, like... a little bit of good news I suppose that you know Backlash having a main event of Cody Rhodes versus Brock Lesnar is good as that's a a match we've not seen before but I'm afraid to say that the bloodline has sort of lost steam with me it's gone from the best storyline in wrestling history to just another story where they've still got a Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn problem they've put Matt Riddle in the situation and it's the Usos, and I just don't care anymore. It's just turned into, it's less emotional. It just feels like another wrestling promo, another wrestling angle. And the Bloodline Saga didn't really feel like that before. It felt it felt like there was a plan, and they were going through the motions, and they were going to get to where they wanted to get, and they were going to pay it off in the most spectacular of ways. And I don't think they've done that. I feel this has really damaged everything, like, going back. Like, why did you waste so much time with all the whole Sami Zayn situation to basically put it here, where it's just a tag feud, and it's really the only tag feud they can do because nobody cares about the tag division. You should have been boosting up the tag division if you're going to do this. You should have given them time and, and made some real stars in there, and that hasn't happened. So now, when it comes to, oh, the Usos might be in trouble with Roman Reigns, I don't care. The bloodline should have broken up already. It hasn't. It's overstayed. It's welcome to me. Uh, Let me know what you think. Whether I'm just being, again, an old man who yells at clouds, I'd love to hear from you guys. Because I just can't see, like, where they're going to pay this off where it's going to have as much impact as it would have done. To me, we've really entered the post-WrestleMania slump. Something that could have been avoided with a fresh champion and a load of fresh contenders. Unfortunately, you can't have a fresh champion because Cody didn't win. And you don't have fresh contenders, again, because Cody didn't win. Sticking sticking Cody in with Brock is a good idea. But with rumours of Cody disappearing to Hollywood out there, 
one has to wonder whether that didn't play a factor into him not winning at WrestleMania. Do the company now look at him and go, he doesn't plan on sticking around, he's not going to be for the company at first. Maybe we shouldn't make him the top guy. I can certainly see that happening if, if rumours have got out that he's looking into doing acting already. You know, usually you become the top guy for a few years first, and then you go through acting like The Rock and John Cena, and it seems like Roman Reigns is going to try and do, but Cody seems to be skipping the become a WWE megastar and get your face out there that way. We have rumours of Drew McIntyre not being able to come to terms on his contract. His contract's not up to like October, so there's plenty of time. Unfortunately, when people first got wind of this because he, he blacked out his Twitter profile and took all notice of WWE off it, people were like, oh my God, he could turn up for All In, the the Wembley show. It's like, no, he legally can't do that. So that's a kind of thing where we you got to put that to the back of your mind and say, well, that's not going to happen. But, you know, he's not apparently happy with his creative and he's not anywhere near what money he wants with WWE. So he could be leaving, but it will be a lot later in this year than we might think. So I'd expect to see him kind of reined back as it comes to appearances. Uh, apparently some of his recent non-appearances are because he was so beat up from WrestleMania and they were giving him time to heal. So that's good. And who knows, by the time October rolls around, he could have been offered a lot more money, but apparently money's going to be in short supply now that they've partnered with Endeavor, who do not like giving their talent money. Apparently there's going to be quite a few cuts, and I'm sure we'll see those come into effect soon. Another person who's apparently having contract difficulties is one Becky Lynch, who's changed her name to Rebecca Quinn on Twitter, and again blanked out all her pictures and stuff. But her contract isn't up for over another year. So I guess we're going to see what happens there. I can't see WWE wanting to let her go. as She's one of their top stars. And a recent ankle injury couldn't have come at a worse time due to the turning of Trish Stratus into a heel. Now speaking of Trish, she gave a very good heel interview, promo, on Raw. Was it last week, a couple of weeks back? Where she said that basically the women's revolution started with her and it was really cool. And now they've got a new picture of her on WWE.com. So maybe she's sticking around a bit longer than it was thought. She's coming out looking like the old classic heel Trish with the cowboy hat and, and the costuming, as you can imagine. She still looks tremendous. But I'm now kind of wondering who's going to be the baby face that steps up to take her down. Suppose it'll have to be Bianca if Becky's injured. But that's that's got to be a bit of a kick in the teeth for Becky, who from what I remember, has wanted to face Trish for a while and was at one time set up to face her and it just didn't come through because of an injury there too. Unfortunately, things seem to be waiting around for the WWE draft to take place. So a lot of feuds are kind of in a holding pattern and I'm just not sure. They're pushing the, they're pushing the draft as a big thing. They've timed it up with the NFL draft. Now, the draft usually means a little bump in ratings for at least for that week. But... Surely people can't keep falling for this. They don't stick to the draft. They just don't. If someone's needed on another show, they'll just put them there and pretend the draft never existed. So why are people still invested? What is the point of doing this when it's much better to just have a loose roster split and then have you know people's contracts come up in the middle of that roster split? Oh, my contract 
with Raw is coming to an end in three weeks. If you want to re-sign me, you better give me a title shot. My contract with SmackDown is up in two weeks, and I want to join my tag team partner on Raw because we were split in the roster split, so I won't be here. So you could then have the GM try and injure that person because he doesn't want Raw getting a, a wrestler. You've got to create some differences between the brands, some aminosity, or however you say that word, and make maybe make them look different because Raw looks like a red SmackDown and SmackDown looks like a blue Raw. They not they don't look different like they used to. You know, there's no SmackDown fist. There's none of that. I just think the the brand split has run its course. There is no real who's getting Roman because it's going to be SmackDown because SmackDown's on Fox. That's the deal. If they're going to split the rosters, they need to split the belts. If they're not going to split the belts, but they should have at Mania, then why are they doing this now? You're basically keeping people in feuds. And keep in mind, there's a, I believe there's a pay-per-view before the, the split, unless the split is... I can't even remember when the split is. It's made that little impact on me, despite them desperately trying for it too. I no longer think it's a big deal, and I think it's a worn-out idea. So things are feeling a little samey in the WWE. And that's a shame because I, I really thought when we were in the build-up to Mania, I thought, well, we're going to get Cody as champion. He's going to have a, a ton of new new challenges because it's about on a baby phase now. So every heel can suddenly turn around and be like, well, I, I've never had a title shot. It'll be brilliant. But that hasn't happened, so we ended up in this slump. Now, over in AEW, there's a little bit of a different story. The weekly TV is mostly getting back on its feet. It's mostly... I mean, All Out damaged it, I won't deny that, and it's been hampered by injuries for a while. But it's now seeming to get on its feet. We've got the the Pillars feud, which I believe is that they've started a feud between Darby Allen, Jungle Boy, and Sammy Guevara for MJF's World Championship shot at the next pay-per-view. And that's been going quite well because... Most weeks, those three guys have been getting some mic time. It's been a little rough here and there, but usually one of them has a good week, and you end up with something cool. And I think it's it's really good to push this new, younger guys as, no, these are the top guys. We keep telling you that this is the future. These are the guys that are gonna we're going to build the company around. But I always remember, I think it was TNA, used to talk about that. And they'd still be talking about AJ Styles as a young guy they were gonna they were gonna build as the future. And it'd be like, but AJ's been here forever. He is the guy the company should be built around, but you're still treating him as though he's just turned up and he's like a young whippersnapper. You should he should have been, you know, the guy, the world champion. And I don't think AEW are gonna make that mistake. I think they are gonna build these guys. Whether these guys can hold up to the strain is another matter. I mean, Darby on his own. His wrestling style means that he's going to injure himself pretty bad at some point. Sammy gave a really good interview when they were in Long Island or on Long Island. Uh, and it got heavily booed because of the, it's the hometown of MJF. But I actually thought it was a really good promo from him. So um, it really surprised me. So that was cool. And with Jungle Boy, I think people have always had a soft spot for Jungle Boy. And now Jungle Boy is out of that overly long due to injury Christian feud, I'm hoping that he gets another another run against MJF because they've had some really good matches in the past. But I'm kind of getting the impression that this is probably going to lead to a four-way. This little tournament is going to end in some kind of controversial fashion and we're going to end up with a four-way match for the title at the next pay-per-view. But why I feel they've been booking the world title 
really well. I do feel that their secondary title, the TNT title, I'm not sure what's going on with that because on the most recent episode of Dynamite, Powerhouse Hobbs lost the TNT Championship to Wardlow, who is now a three-time TNT Champion. And can you remember anything he did with the title when he had those reigns? Because I can't. And I really think that Powerhouse Hobbs kind of got got the short end here because he had that little thing with QT Marshall and his thing about TMZ, whatever the TMZ ripoff that he was doing was. You know, he he had something going there. I mean, I, I'm not a, I'm not the biggest fan of of the angle, but it was something that he could do. It was better than the the book of Hobbs thing they had going. They seemed to have dropped, and he was champion. And now it's just kind of like his first real, you know, meaningful defense. He lost it, and not only has he lost it, but after that match, Christian came out with Luchasaurus, and that definitely seems to be the program they're heading towards. So I feel kind of bad for Powerhouse Hobbs, who's never really done anything terrible in ring, who I think is really decent in ring, especially for a guy of his size. I think you could make something, and I just think he's been wasted. Same as I thought Wardlow was wasted when he lost the title, and now give it to him for the third time. It just feels like they, they were like, oh, we made a mistake, we need to give it him back. And I think they've really hurt Hobbs in the meantime. And I don't feel that Wardlow was rehabbed enough to mean that his winning of the TNT Championship felt earned. Like, he should have been doing more. He should have been... I'm not sure why. It just felt weird to be like, I know he's a three-time TNT champion. The thing I shouldn't be feeling after that is, so what? Which is exactly what I was feeling. And I like Wardlow. Wardlow's got a connection with the crowd most of the time. Most of the time the crowd react to him. Sometimes it can get a bit iffy, depending on the crowd. But I think Wardlow does a decent job. It's just that you didn't have to sacrifice Hobbs to get him there. The Blackpool Combat Club are doing a decent little angle with the Elite. Aside from the use of a screwdriver, which is a bit ridiculous. Because if you use that thing, you're going to kill someone or damage them properly. So every time you use it and nobody ends up with their eye poked out or something... It does come across a little weird, a little over the top. Especially when you're all known as like really professional wrestlers. You should be putting someone in a hold and not letting go and breaking people's arms and things like that. And I understand the intention of wanting to be overly violent because that can be kind of cool too. But I don't know, it just didn't work out for me. No doubt the match will be decent because Danielson's in it. But I just hope this doesn't go on too long. You know, I like the Clash of Styles. But at the same time, don't really want these guys tied up with the Elite too long. The Elite can go and exist in their own little pocket universe on the Wednesday show. Maybe give some of these guys to the Saturday show. I guess this is really the thing. It all depends on what they're really doing with this Saturday show. You know, who's going to end up where is kind of... It's kind of the opposite of the WWE thing. Because we don't know how strictly this roster split will be adhered to. Because it's born from backstage heat and backstage problems, this might have to be adhered to quite strongly. So it really becomes a matter of, who do I want to see on a show with CM Punk? And Brian Danielson is one of those guys. You know, they've, they've always had good matches. So I guess in summary, what I'm saying is that I feel that WWE are waiting to see what happens with their roster split. And basically, I think we're going to be waiting till SummerSlam for anything major to happen with the main title. And with AEW, I still think we're going to be waiting a while for something to happen with the main title, but it is 
somewhat more interesting because we're not in the middle of I've got to get this guy to so many hundreds or thousands of days. So right now I think I'm more interested in AEW, but that could all change. You never know. One hot angle, one great interview, and I could be back on this program next time saying, oh, WWE are on fire. I certainly hope so. I've got no interest in watching dull programming. Speaking of dull programming, I guess I'm going to have to talk about AEW All Access, a show that, while a better version of something like Total Bellas or Total Divas, I must admit falls heavily into the same sort of traps. While I praise it for its use of real-life issues to create stories on the show... I do feel like everything is slightly overly staged, like when they're talking to camera and explaining things, it just comes across like an episode of The Office, and I'm just kind of like, this isn't what I want. And I'm not sure whether that is because I already know these backstage stories, and I already know what happens. Maybe that's the thing, if I wasn't following these companies, or this company in particular, quite so closely would this be more interesting and it is a possibility but when they're doing things like i've seen i think three episodes and when they're doing things like having sammy guevara sit down and squash the heat with eddie kingston on screen how real is that you know it comes across as incredibly fake which is a problem with all these kind of programming i guess It's more interesting, as I say, than Total Bellas, Total Divas, because it is mainly about the wrestling program. But it just, it's not scratching that itch for me. It's probably not something I'm going to continue with. It's just not my kind of deal. It's not my kind of thing. If you want to see me, you know, to give more in-depth reviews on these things, if you're interested in my thoughts, then I'd be more than happy to look at it for you. But I'd be doing it in batches, I think. I'd like to wait two or three episodes and I, I, I talk about what was in the episode, but it's it's all stuff that's been done before. It feels slightly staged. It feels for a slightly different audience than AEW. And well done for them trying to expand their audience, I guess. But they don't have um, what WWE had when they launched Total Divas. They don't have that connection with... The female audience, their their female roster, is not treated greatly. I guess they're getting treated better, and they're great wrestlers. But they don't have, you know, there's no there's no Bellas, there's nobody who is the kind of character you might see on Keeping Up with the Kardashians or something like that, where you can look at them and go, oh, they're the they're the the pretty girls. You know what I mean? And I'm not saying. Before anybody says anything, I'm not saying the women on AEW aren't, aren't attractive women. They are. But it hasn't got this, the kind of over-the-top, you know, uh, I, I hesitate to use the word bitchy, but it kind of fits stuff that something like Real Housewives works with and those kind of reality TV shows, which I think Total Divas kind of managed to, to tap into quite well. This is far more based around the wrestling company, which I find cool. But at the same time, you're not going to get the kind of people you want with this reality type of reality TV show. I'll always think something like the original Tough Enough is the way to go with a wrestling reality show. And speaking of something like Tough Enough, although not really because it doesn't, it lacks the contest aspect of Tough Enough. 
which was kind of going for the Big Brother audience at the time. Apple TV, aka Apple Plus, has a show on there called The Monster Factory, which is about a group of young, independent wrestlers who are in training and trying to get signed by the WWE. And I found this a much more interesting take on reality television. Obviously, I've heard of the Monster Factory, and you've probably heard of a lot of people that graduated from the Monster Factory. Uh, Bam Bam Bigelow, the Legion of Doom, uh, Demolition, or at least Barry Darzo, who was Smash, the Godfather. It's, it's had a long list of people who have made it in the business who have you know graduated, shall we say, from that wrestling school. Now, it's under new ownership because the original owner, Larry Sharkey, I believe was his name. I believe he's passed on, or at least he's passed on the business if he's not himself passed on to one of his former students. And the show follows the owner of the Monster Factory and his students as they go through drills. You learn about each individual's life. And they're going towards a showcase which is taking place at the ECW Arena, and there are going to be scouts there from Impact, AEW, WWE, New Japan, and people that are known in the wrestling business. I know that Kevin Kelly turns up on this program, a former WWE interviewer who now does commentary for New Japan. I know that several talent scouts turn up. And it's pretty interesting, it's pretty cool, because I do get to know these people a little bit, and they all have... You know, little stories they tell. It's not the greatest program in the world, but it does feel more heartfelt and less produced than something like AEW All Access. It's my kind of reality TV where it's like, yes, this is obviously like, you know, it's not reality reality, but it doesn't feel quite so forced as something as heavily produced as AEW All Access or The Bellas or any of those kind of things. If you want to see it, as I say, it's on Apple Plus. It's not heavily advertised on there. They tend to they tend to advertise their movies with big Hollywood stars like Chris Evans and Tom Hanks. And their TV shows are stuff like Ted Lasso, which has already won an Emmy, which is another tremendous show. But Apple periodically do things like have a three-month trial or a month trial. So if you do pick it up, I do recommend going and looking out for something like The Monster Factory. I think it is good. It is a well worth watching. You do really start to feel for these people. And it's just a good little watch. And there are six episodes. They're about 20, 22, 24 minutes each. 20, around the half hour mark, let's say, or just over. I think it varies from episode to episode. But you do care. It is cool. There isn't, like I said, there isn't a contest. It's not full of like obstacle courses and things like that. It's not that. Con- it's more like a documentary than a reality TV show. So I'd rec- I recommend that over AW All Access, although AW All Access is obviously available on ITVX. I think we're I think in the UK we're a few weeks behind, but I managed to catch the other episodes knocking around on the internet just so I could see if it improved past the first episode. Like I can say All Access is decent for the type of thing it is, but the type of thing it is is not something I routinely love to watch. I do enjoy Pro wrestling documentaries. I, I did go to the cinema. I did hunt down the cinemas in my local area, and there were not many that were showing, for example, Beyond the Mat when that came out. 
Uh, I liked wrestling with shadows. There's, I, I'm I'm very very interested in wrestling documentaries and wrestling, you know, behind the scenes stuff. As you can tell from this program, I tend to I tend to go and look into the behind the scenes aspects of professional wrestling, and documentaries are something that have done that really well. And I'd say that the Monster Factory is a really good look at the independent scene as it stands now. There were some uh, in the early 2000s, as I believe, aired on the Discovery Channel, which had people like John Cena in it and Samoa Joe. I think it was the UWF or UPF. And you can find clips from there. And you go, that's John Cena, that's Christopher Daniels, that's Samoa Joe. And it's cool to look back on that kind of thing. And I can't help but think... You know, someone from the Monster Factory could end up being in the WF and could end up being a... Sorry, the WWE, I'm an old man. They could end up being a big star and you could have seen, through seeing this program, literally their first steps into the business, which is pretty cool. So that's the show. Uh, let me know what you think about trying to do it this way, where there's a bit of news at the front, a little bit of my thoughts in the middle, and at the end I go to a subject about pro wrestling that... People may not have just considered. Do you want me to go into into more detail on the news? Do you want me to do a bigger recap on the TV shows with more detail in there? Do you have a particular subject at the end that you'd like me to discuss? Like wrestling figures, wrestling autobiographies, classic wrestling shows. Anything really. I'm just looking for the best way to serve you because that's what I want to do. I want to come up with the best show for you guys personally. I want you to have something good to listen to. Hopefully I'm fulfilling that role. But if you want to let me know how I'm doing, then please let me know at PMBero on Twitter, at The Wrestling Arena on Facebook, or join the Discord. We'd be love to have you. I'd love to discuss wrestling with you. That's been The Wrestling Arena. And I'll see you the next time. Big wrestling news breaks, or there's something interesting to discuss in the world of wrestling. My name's been Paul Barrow, and I'll see you next time.